I want to talk to you today, uh, in continuing what we talked about last week, we talked about uh, allowing God to lead us. Uh, and we're going to continue that today. And last week we talked about following after God and staying close to God. And we said to following after God, for you and me, it has to be a choice. We've got to choose to follow after God. God will never force himself on you. He'll never force you to follow him. You know that story of the prodigal son? You do know that that wasn't the prodigal son's name, don't you? He wasn't called prodigal. You know, when his dad or his mom were getting him up for breakfast in the morning, he didn't go in and say, prodigal, get up. So his name wasn't prodigal. Now, I don't know what his name was, and it doesn't say in the Bible what his name was, but it could have been Sean or Jim or James or something like that. I think he probably had an Irish name, maybe. <laughs> but for a minute, we're just going to call him Jim. There was this one day when Jim decided that he had enough of following after his dad and serving his dad. And he wanted to be free of his dad, and he wanted to live his own life and do his own thing free from having to do what his dad was telling him to do. So he went to his father, and he said to his father, in not so many words, he said, Dad, you are dead to me. So I want you to give me my inheritance now, because I want to go and live my own life. I, I'm out of here, he was saying. Now, this is not what the father was glad to hear. This didn't bring any joy to his father's ears. His father wanted to keep his son close to him. But the father, he, he, he gave his son free will, and he said, okay, if, if that's what you want to do, son, then here you go. Here's half of everything I have. It's your inheritance that you'll get when I die. But seeing as I'm now dead to you, I'm going to give it to you. Off you go. Go and let do, he let his son go and do his own thing. It was at that point that the son stopped following closely after his dad. And he came out from underneath the protection and the provision of his father. And we all know what happened next. He went away from his dad, and he spent every cent he had partying, living it up with all of his fake friends, and he ended up broke and homeless, living on the side of a mountain, feeding pigs. Not a good way to end up, is it? No. But it was on the, end, uh, it was on the, on the side of that mountain with an empty belly that he realized that the least of my father's servants who still serve my father, are better fed than I am. They have food in their belly. They have shelter over their heads. And they're protected because they still serve my father. And he decided that at very least he could go back and he could be his father's servant. So he said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to become a servant to my father. At least there I'll be fed, protected, and at least there I will be, I will be provided for. So he decided to go back and serve his father as a servant. Well, you know, when the father saw him coming from a distance, the, father, the, the word of God says the father ran to him. Now, the father didn't run to him like this. Yeah, I know what this means. I'm going to get you, I'm going to choke you. Yeah? Father didn't run to him with arms out like that because he was wanting to choke him, he was wanting to discipline him. Told you so. The father ran to him like this. Amen? And when we're far away from God, we need to realize that we can come back to God. Amen? See, all too often when people go away from God, they feel like that God is angry at them. They feel God is mad at them. 
and they feel in their place that they now find themselves, which is far away from God, they feel that God doesn't want them back. They feel that if I turn around and go back to God, I'm going to hear all the, I told you so, and I don't want you. You've sinned, you've too much. But the fact of the matter is, when the prodigal son, Jim, when Jim decided that he was going to go back to his father, when the father spotted him afar off, he didn't run with, with a fist. He ran with open arms. Amen? You see, when you follow closely after God, you lack nothing. When Jim got to his dad, his dad immediately threw a cloak around his shoulders, immediately put sandals on his feet, he immediately started to provide for his son. He said, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a feast for my son. When you stay close to God, you stay close to protection, provision. You stay close to the love of God. Amen? Amen. Psalms 91 and verse 1 says that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, for you in order to be in the shelter of something, what does it mean to do? Got to get close to it. Amen? Got to get close to it. If you want to stay in the shelter of an umbrella, you got to get close to the umbrella. Actually, you got to get under the umbrella. Amen? So if you want to stay in, in God's provision, protection, God's love, got to get close to God. Not just close to God, but you got to get underneath God's wings. Amen? But we have a choice. We have a choice. God is great. He gave us free will. In everything that we decide in life, God gives us free will. And you have a choice. You either choose to follow after God and allow God to provide for you, protect you, to love you, or you can choose not to. You can choose to get on with your own life. Keep control of it if you want. That's your choice. You have a choice. He can ride out the storms of life when they come because they will come on everyone. The just and the unjust, the Bible says, it rains. So when the storms of life come, you can decide, I, I can, I'm going to write this out myself. I'm going to do the best I can, and, and I'm going to try and work this thing out myself. And hopefully at the end of it, you'll still be standing. But if you want to ride out the storms of life in the best way possible, it only comes with you sticking close to God. It's your choice. Amen? Amen? God won't force you. But if you choose to, God will lead you and God will guide you. Amen? Amen. Emma recently went to Galway with some of her friends from college, and, and for some silly, stupid reason, I don't know why, they decided to go horseback riding. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Never. I think I may be on a horse once when I was a child, and when I got off it, I said, never again. But she decided, you know what, she was going to go to this uh, professional equine place and they, they do this all the time. They ride out horses all the time and, and they paid their money and, and they, gave them, uh, they gave all of her friends an a, a, a experienced horse for them to ride around this course. And Emma's friends, they galloped off into this distance. But Emma's horse wouldn't move. <laughs> I wouldn't do anything that she wanted to do. It completely refused to do what she wanted to do. With her permission, we played this video this morning. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, this is Emma here. But do you see something in that video? In order for that horse to go the way that they wanted it to go, they had to put it on a lead. 
the horse had to be led around. So Emma, in her shame and embarrassment, she was led around on a lead. <laughs> Amen? She wasn't embarrassed. I'm just trying to make her embarrassed. <laughs> the instructor had to put the horse on the lead because the horse wouldn't go itself. So the instructor had to put the horse on the lead in order to lead the horse around and lead Emma around as well. Do you remember just before Jesus went to the cross, he stood on the hill over Jerusalem and he looked down over Jerusalem. And what did he say? He said in Matthew 23 and verse 37, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Can you imagine the heart that Jesus is saying this with now? Just, just don't just read the words. We have a tendency sometimes when we read the, the Bible just to read the words and we don't read the heart. Read the heart of this. Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as the hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus is saying, as he looks down over the whole of Jerusalem, it was probably nighttime, he probably could see the, the glows of all the lights in all the windows. And his heart was breaking for his people. And as he looked down over his people, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This wasn't a loud speech. This was a heartfelt moment that Jesus had. He said, how often I wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks. Can you hear it from his heart? How Jesus wanted to gather all of Jerusalem to himself. But he said, you weren't willing. And I know God is saying that to us today too. God is, he sees everything, amen? He sees your life. He sees the good things you do. He sees the mistakes you make. He sees when you're close to him, he knows it. But he also knows when you drift away from him. And when we drift away from God, I, I, I'm sure God is there saying, oh, 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 end, end, I wish you would come to me. I wish you'd draw close to me. But sometimes you're just not willing. Church, we have to be willing to allow God to lead us. Amen? We have to be willing to surrender every issue, every part of our lives to him. Amen? We can't just get to a place and say, you know what, I want to take control of this part of my life. Everything else I surrender to God, but this part of my life I want to handle. You know, we got to surrender everything to God. Amen? God wants to lead us. He wants to guide us through life. And you know, as we go through life, it's not going to be a cakewalk, amen? There's going to be issues come up in your life, issues and problems. And you know when, it, you know when an issue comes up? When you least expect it. Isn't that right? Nobody expects to go out to their car in the morning and it not start. Nobody expects the bad doctor's report, Amen? Nobody expects that bill, that, that, that like a roof falling in in your home that you've got to now come up somehow with the money to pay for. Nobody expects that. But you know when God leads you in your life? God navigates you in life. Amen? Amen. God's a navigator. Because God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He could see these things coming for you. And when you follow closely after God, God can steer you in and around these obstacles that will come up in your life. Not that they won't come up in your life. They still will. But if you are following closely after God, he'll navigate you around these obstacles. Amen? God is not out to sink your ship. 
God is out to be the lighthouse in your life that guides you around. Amen? But the world is full of people with good intentions. They had good intentions, you know. I, I didn't mean to sink at this point. I didn't mean to, to crash and burn at this point. I just was, you know, guiding my own ship best I knew how. You know, Mount Everest is littered with bodies of people who thought they knew how to climb it. Thought they knew the way up Mount Everest. Amen? So how does God lead us? Simple. God leads us with his word. It's not difficult. God leads us through his word. Psalms 119 and verse 105 says that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Hey, none of you will go out at nighttime in the dark without a light. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't walk around your own home at night without turning the light on. Because I know you, you know what you're going to do. You're going to kick your foot against the side of a table or a bench, or, or, or you're, you're, if you're outside, you're going to fall off the path, or you're going to walk into a pothole. You're, you're just going to have an accident. Amen? God says that his word is a lamp to my feet, and it is a light to my path. This life that we're living, this air that we're breathing today, this, this, this life that we have, it's a journey. Amen. Some of us have come further on that journey than others. Some of us are just at the start of that journey. But it's a journey that will take you from the moment you were born till the moment you breathe your last breath and stand before God. But it's all a journey. And along that road of life, we have to choose whether or not we allow God to guide us or not. Most of the time, we breeze through life. But then there's times we come up against junctions in the road, and we have decisions to make. Choose your own way, a way that looks good and desirable, or continue to allow God to direct your paths. Psalms 32 and verse 8 says there, it says, God speaking, he said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you, he says, with my eye. If you follow closely after God, and if you allow God to, he will instruct you. He'll instruct you in every area of your life, in every decision that you have to make. God wants to instruct you. He wants to teach us the way that we should go. God wants to teach us. He wants to be our instructor on how we get around these obstacles, these difficulties in life that come up against us. God will never, if you allow him, he will never steer you into trouble. Amen. In the Suez Canal and in the Panama Canal, in order for a ship usually to go through it, they'll send out a pilot because they don't trust most sailors or most captains of ships in, in order to get them through the canal, so they'll send out a pilot. And the pilot will come on board the ship, and they do it in a lot of harbors around the world too. The pilot will come on board ship and he will steer the ship into the harbor or he will steer the ship through the canal. Why do they do that? Because this pilot has done it a million times before. He knows all of the tides, he knows all of the currents, he knows all of the obstacles, he knows all of the problems that could come up. 
whereas the normal ship captain of the ship, he doesn't know these things. He make a best judgment call. But the pilot, he knows how to get in in a gale force wind and he knows how to get in when the tide is low. In our lives, God will allow the one who knows to steer us. Amen? Because God knows how to steer us. He knows how to guide us through every issue, through every problem that will come up in your life. God will allow God to steer us through life. Do you know the answer for every issue, the answer for every problem, the answer for everything that will ever come up in your life is found in the Word of God? Amen? And God said in Jeremiah, and he's saying it to you and me today, in Jeremiah 1.12, he says, I am watching over my word to perform it. You know, God watches over his word to you to perform it. God is not somebody who is up in heaven there now just resting on his laurels. He is watching over his word. The word of God says that God places his word above everything. His word is the most highest. And he watches over that word to perform it. Amen? Amen? He's not lackadaisy like maybe I am sometimes. Give you my word and might not do it. But God watches over his word to perform it. That Bible that you have on your lap this morning or that app on your phone or whatever way you may read the Bible, it is full of thousands of promises that God has made to you. And every one of those promises, whether it be for protection, provision, or healing, God watches over it to perform. Isn't that great? Isn't it? That's, that's fantastic. That we have a God who watches over his word to us to make sure that it comes to pass. And what, the access to that? The access is believing it, knowing it's there, receiving it, and staying close to God. Amen? Stay close to God. Amen? Amen? But God will never force you. He'll never force you. Never force you to follow after him. He won't drag you kicking and screaming to church like some of us may have been before in the past or may still do. God won't do that. God won't force himself on you. Remember the day the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked Jesus how he could be sure of his salvation. And Jesus said to him, keep the commandments and you will have eternal life. And then the rich young ruler, he started to lay out his case for his righteousness before Jesus. And he said, I have kept the commandments, he said, Jesus. And then he said, what else do I need to do? The Bible says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he said to him in Matthew 19, 21, he said, Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And then come, follow me. That was an instruction. Jesus looked at this young ruler and this young ruler with, with the things that Jesus said to him. He said, I, I, I do them, Jesus. I, I, I do them. And then Jesus looked at him and marveled at him. And he called him. He said, come, follow me, he says. But before you do, the things that you are relying on in your life, you need to release them to me. 
You see, he was a rich young ruler. That was what they call him. What did that mean? It meant he had money. He was well off. And the Bible says that when Jesus said, sell all you have and give to the poor and then come follow me, it says, but when the young man heard these sayings, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see, Jesus loved this young man because he endeavored to follow after God closely all of his life. And Jesus said to him, there's, there's one thing, he said, one thing that's coming between you and me in your life, and that's not your possessions, but it's your reliance on your possessions. It wasn't the possessions that were coming between Jesus and this man. It was this man's reliance on it. Jesus said, get rid of your reliance on your possessions, and then you are complete, and then come follow me. You see, this young man was walking with God, closely with God, underneath God's umbrella in every area of his life except when it came to his possessions. When it came to his possessions, he wanted to walk his own route. When you follow after God, he wants everything. Amen? He wants everything. Not that God wants absolutely everything off you and God doesn't want you to have a roof over your head or have a car or have a bank account. That's not what this is saying. But God is saying, don't you go relying on your wealth or your possessions. Don't you go putting all of your trust of, uh, in that area in your possessions. I need you to put all of your trust in me. Amen? Rich young ruler had an issue because he followed after God in every area of his life except when it came to his possessions. And he wasn't able to do it. He wasn't able to surrender that part of his life to God. You know, when Angela and I got married, actually even before we got married, everything we have we pooled. It wasn't hard. We didn't have a whole lot. But everything that we had, her bank account, my bank account, my earnings, her earnings, everything we had we put together. There was not one thing that we had that we said that that's mine. There's not one thing that Angela said, well, you know what, I'm putting everything in, all in, except this area. I'm not putting this area in, this is mine. In order for you to have a close, intimate relationship with your partner, with your spouse, you got to be all in. Amen? Can't keep anything and say, well, I'm giving everything to this marriage except this. We read about these prenuptial agreements. You read about these. It's not a big thing. We didn't have to have one of them. This is something that the stars do, don't they? Yeah, Tom Cruise gets married and he has a prenup. Tom Cruise gets divorced six months later because he was never all in the relationship in the first place. Because he was holding something back from his wife. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, you don't get to do a prenup. Amen? You don't get to say, God, I'm all in with you on everything, but you know what? I have plenty of money, Lord. In actual fact, you know what? You don't need to provide for me. You go provide for someone else over there because I'm able to provide for myself. That's not the economy of God, is it? That's not the way God wants to deal with us, is it? 
you're either all in with God or you're out from underneath God's umbrella. Got to be all in with God. Amen? Can't withhold anything from your spouse. You certainly shouldn't withhold anything from God. This young man couldn't release this area of his life to God. But the funny thing is that God wasn't wanting to take his finances from him. This is something we don't realize. Everywhere in the word of God, when someone came and, came and gave something to God, God blessed them even more. Amen? In the loaves and fishes, when, when the young boy gave his, his loaves and his fishes to Jesus, I believe he didn't go home that day hungry. I didn't believe he went home that day with an empty pocket. I believe God provided for him greatly. There is nothing that you give to God that God won't give back to you multiple times over. Toss, who went home to be with God a couple of years ago, now nearly at this stage, one of his greatest sayings every time you talk to him was, you can't outgive God. Every time you meet him, you can't outgive God. God is no man's debtor, he'd say. Problem with the rich young ruler is he couldn't see that. He wanted to withhold this area of his life from God. But the thing was, Jesus wasn't the wanting to make him the poor young ruler, the pauper young ruler. If he had given what he had to God, God would have made him the exceedingly rich young ruler. Amen? We can't withhold from God. If we withhold an area from God, then God cannot bless us in that area. Amen? One last scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. You see, the rich young ruler was trying to lean on his own understanding in this. He wasn't trusting in God in this area of life. Now, it may not be finances. It may be other things. Maybe your health, it may be your relationships, it may be your family, it may be your kids, it may be your job. It, it, it doesn't have to be finances. God is saying that we are to trust in him with all of our hearts and to lean not on our own understanding. Rich and ruler's understanding was, if I give this away, I won't have it. It's not the way God works. It says in verse 6, in all your ways we are to acknowledge God. In all of our ways acknowledge God. In our relationships, in our families, with our kids, in the decisions that we make every day, whether they seem simple or difficult, with our health, with everything, it says, we are to acknowledge God, and He will direct our paths. If we acknowledge God, stay close to God, stay underneath His umbrella, Acknowledge him in all things. Surrender all things to him. Trust him at his word. If we do that, God will direct our paths. God wants us to trust him. And if we trust him, he will lead us and he will guide us through our lives. Amen?